There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time and the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at UGG.com. Welcome to Through the Ringer. I am still your host, Tate Frazier, and we got a good show for you. It's a Tuesday edition, so it's a 30-minute show, and we got two great guests from the Ringer universe. First up, it's NFL Draft Week, so we got our guy, Kevin Clark, to come on the show, talk about some of the big-picture storylines. He's just back from paternal leave, so we're going to let him ease into it a little bit. Uh, of course, the great host of Slow, New Day, Slow News Day. Of course, the great host of Slow News Day. Can't wait to have Kevin on the show. And also, uh, in case you missed it, the NHL playoffs are also going on. It's not just the NBA. So we have senior writer of TheRinger.com, Katie Baker. She's going to come on the show. She's going to teach me about the NHL, tell us what's going on, the biggest storylines in hockey right now. So we got a jam-packed show for you. Again, we got Casey. we got Katie Bakes. It's all coming up. But first, here we go, Kevin Clark. All right, joining us now, he is one of my favorite people at The Ringer, and I have not seen his face in quite some time. He, of course, is the host of Slow News Days. He is the great Kevin Clark. And Kevin Clark, in case you missed it, it's NFL Draft Week. Buddy, I'm excited. I'm also, I was on paternity <laughs> leave since the Super Bowl, so this is, this is a, there's a lot of news going on, a lot of buzz. A lot of buzz about the draft, about my successful parenting skills teddy's just ready to go he's ready i mean i think he's ready for college i think he's four months old and he's raising himself yeah you've already made things happen i will say this we reached out to teddy's agents we tried to get him on the show he said not yet we're not big enough we're working our way up there so hopefully one day we'll get teddy on the show but we'll settle for you kevin it's it's exciting to have you back he uh he only does like sponsored hits you know he's right. like at that level he only he only appears on right. behalf of different diaper companies formula companies that kind of stuff state farm you know things like that state high farm. level stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there you go yeah, yeah. that's that's what happens uh speaking of high level stuff let's talk about the nfl draft because uh there's a lot of yeah. high level communication happening right now i've seen a lot of uh conversations right some some smoke screens there's all types of phrasing that happens right now in draft week you and i both love that one of the big yeah. themes I've seen is surprise, Kevin. A lot of people are mm-hmm. talking about this draft is going to have a lot of surprises. How do you feel about that, and do you expect to be surprised when we get to the 2023 draft? Yeah, so there's going to be surprises because the GMs don't love this draft. And so mm. then what's the reaction to that? So here's the deal. So Brandon Bean, the general manager of the Bills last week, said he wasn't going to say – how many first round grades he had on players, but it quote wasn't great. Uh, a couple people today, Monday, um, came out and said the number for most GMs is 15 to 17. By the way, there are normally 32 first round picks. There's only 31 because the Dolphins this year. So you're going to be getting on some boards, 14 guys, 15 guys who are 
second, maybe third round grades for some teams that are sneaking in to the back half of the first. So how do people react to that? Do they pay a premium to get up to six or seven because they know there's there's only one guy they want? Um, there's a not a lot of top end talent, frankly, in this draft at the premium positions. I think that confuses people. Someone like Will Anderson, who has an incredible resume, who's really good. I heard someone say the other day that there's people at Alabama who think he's the hardest worker they've ever had um, in the Saban era. That's important. Mm. But he doesn't have the testing athletic skills as a Miles Garrett or a Bosa. It's not that kind of guy. It's not a sure thing type of guy. TJ Watt is another one who had the production and the the off the charts uh, combine data. JJ Watt obviously is another one of those guys, even though he, he played a little bit of a different role in college. Um, so I think there's going to be some hesitation there in the top 10. Um, what do you do? Do you go out and reach for a defensive back you like? Witherspoon from, from Illinois is a guy that keeps getting bandied about as somebody who maybe teams say, you know what, screw it, we need a DB, let's, let's ride with this guy. Bijan Robinson from Texas. Running backs are not popular at the top of the draft ever normally, especially since Saquon Barkley. And maybe he gets drafted higher than he should because teams are like, you know what, he's the best guy on our board. Let's just ride. So there's going to be chaos because there's not a lot of sure things here, Tate. Yeah, and it's one of those things, Kevin, where one of my favorite questions that get that gets asked this week is when will the draft actually start, right? So, you know, <laughs> the, when will when will things actually play out, right? Because number one, we figured it out, right? Bryce Young, Vegas says it's done. Uh, you know, they had the meeting. Tepper met with Saban. They said, this is our guy. We love Bryce Young. So he's going to, you know, it's a foregone conclusion at this point. He goes number one. But does the draft start at number two, Kevin? That's my question to you. Um, what do you see happening yeah. with the Texans? I've seen Will Levis. I've seen C.J. Stroud. I've seen they're going to go away from a quarterback. What do you see there? And is that when the draft actually starts? Well, part of the problem, Tate, is that if you've been following it, at one point, it was rumored that the GM was going to get fired after the draft. So that's a nice little curveball. <laughs> it appears to be. He comes out last week and, and literally quotes Wolf of Wall Street, Nick Casario, the GM, and says, I'm not leaving. Um, although normally when you're being fired, you don't know if you're leaving, by the way. Um, but I, I do believe he's, he's going to stay on unless something crazy happens. There's a, there's a second level of Adam Peters, um, who's been a Niners executive. He's he's the type of guy that would take over. D'Amico Ryans, the new coach, has a good relationship with him. But it appears if he, as if he's going to keep his job. Okay, so let's get that out of the way. But what does D'Amico Ryans, the new coach, want? Does he want to start building around a defensive player, a Will Anderson, um, you know, I, there, there's a handful of you know, Jalen Carter, who I know that there's some uh, there's some off the field concerns there, but he's the type of game wrecker and practice wrecker that you can start building a defense around um, if you believe in, in the character. Um, I think that there there's sort of a smokescreen here with the quarterback. I don't really know. There were some Trey Lance rumors that popped up. Last week, remember, mm. D'Amico Ryans was in San Francisco. Trey Lance was in San Francisco. Maybe he believes enough and saw enough in practice to say, hey, let's let's throw a mid-round pick at the 49ers, see if they'll bite, because they're going to want to go with Brock Purdy. So the draft, to me, starts at two and three, because you also have, also have to wonder what happens if a quarterback, the second-best quarterback, is available at three. Then the Cardinals get to auction off that pick. The Cardinals are an absolute disaster right now. They would love to pick up some draft capital. Do the Texans try to auction that pick off? How, how deep do they want to go to get one of their top defensive guys if they're not going quarterback? So, yeah, in a weird way, once the Panthers – the Bears controlled the draft until they traded out of the pick, and they got a nice haul for it, so we're not going to kill them for it. But right now, the Texans control the draft, and I'm surprised that the Cardinals are desperate and auctioning off that pick and leaking that they've had six offers, whatever it was, but the Texans are not doing the same. 
And I'm wondering if there's something up their sleeve, if there's something maybe if they don't like a quarterback they've already agreed to. There are teams that need to move up in order to control the chaos in the draft. I thought it was interesting a few years ago the way a Niners source phrased the, 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 the trade that ended up with Trey Lance. And basically, they said they, they moved up without someone clear in mind. And the rumor was that Mac Jones was going to go with three. He ended up not. But one of the sources told, I think it was Albert Burr, they said, we just wanted to control over the process in a chaotic year. And this is a chaotic year. And so does a team try to, uh, to bribe the Texans or the Cardinals just to get some control of the process and say, okay, you know what? We want C.J. Stroud. We want Anthony Richardson. We want Will Levis, whatever it is. But in order to do that, you can't sit back and wait because somebody might grab it. So the Texans, to me, are in the most interesting spot in the draft. Yeah, and uh, this draft, you said it, it's kind of chaotic. People were trying to leak certain things. There's not even enough guys to field the first-round picks, right? It kind of feels like the 2013 draft a little bit, and there was yep. only one quarterback taken in that draft, E.J. Manuel. Um, you know, but also we have a lot of QBs that I've seen in the top five of this draft, which I find fascinating. So then the question is, you know, the over-under of QBs taken in the first round, because we're on FanDuel TV, right? We can do some over-unders right now. But how many quarterbacks do you see going in the first round? We've seen a lot of names leaked out there, but are, are you yeah. more in the, the two to three range? Or are we talking four or five guys? I heard a stat the other day that I can't get out of my head, which is that the most the, the it is in the, over the basically in the new CBA era, the rarest round for a quarterback to go is the second reason being is that first of all, first round picks have a fifth year option. So if you really like a guy, you're going to take him because if you get a fifth year option quarterback, it means he's really good. Um, second is these guys just get moved up and, and, and coaches fall in love. Owners fall in love. Owners say, I, mean, I think the most dangerous word words in, in NFL buildings are let's have a plan at quarterback because it doesn't mean it's going to be a good plan. It just means it's going to be a plan. <laughs> and so an owner yeah. might say, Hey buddy, like we've gone three years with this quarterback, that quarterback, this quarterback, and let's just get somebody. And that's how you end up with a stopgap guy, a guy being picked 27th or whatever, um, trading back, tr trading back into the first to just grab a guy, get the fan base excited. That can be a very dangerous thing sometimes. I think what the, the sort of X factor on the over-under for quarterbacks is Hendon Hooker. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum from ESPN, I think, does a great job. He was on my podcast before the Justin Herbert draft saying, Herbert's the guy, Herbert's the guy, Herbert's the guy over Tua. Nobody listened to him. And by the way, Herbert was the guy. Um, and so I think that... You know, he, Tannenbaum went out of his way to say Hooker is, I think he has him graded as a top 10 pick at this point. There's a lot, there's going to be some divisiveness within the quarterbacks. I had a really smart person tell me the other day they thought Will Levis was the second best quarterback in the draft. Um, CJ Stroud's evals are kind of all over the place within the first round within reason. Um, so it's going to be hard for me to see Hooker dropping past 32, frankly, um, just because of the way things happen within the, the, the quarterback realm. Um, I remember, I think it was last year, uh, in October, November, there was a GM who said to Rap Sheet that there are no first-round quarterbacks, but once the quarterback, once the coaches get involved, they fall in love with these guys, and then they all rise up the ranks. And it's like, well, there's an argument to be made to not even make the coaches involved then, if that's the case. But that's just how these things happen, is that um, they start talking in draft rooms, and all of a sudden you get into a situation where, you know, a guy who might be the 60th best player on your board becomes 20th because that's the nature of the position. And that's just how buildings work. This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. 
Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. One last thing, Kevin, uh, and this is just a fun question. Who's your favorite player in this draft personally? You know, is there any guy? It doesn't have to be a top 10 guy. It's just, there's just someone that stands out to you. They're like, I really like this guy. Yeah, I like the kid from Northwestern out of By War. Um, he's 282 mm. pounds. I th- people are saying he's a bit of a tweener because he might have to go play inside. But if he plays defensive end, he's big. He can move. He's one of the best athletes in this draft. My thing, Tate. Um, is just draft athletes and figure the rest out. You know, I, I saw a great I love it. quote from Mike Tomlin on the Pivot Podcast last year where he basically said that, you know, if guys didn't need coaching, we would need less coaching and we wouldn't make as much money, right? And I, I've, I've thought about that since where it's like when he looks at draft evals, all Mike Tomlin wants is, is sort of pedigree and resume and biographical information, and then you can coach up the rest, right? And for me, uh, th- that kind of kid, he, he can move. He made plays at the college level. You get him in and you coach him up. That's your job as a coach. If you don't want to coach him up, then fine. Don't take him. But that means you're pretty bad at your job. And so I'm a huge fan of athleticism. Um, and he's the type of guy I'd love to take a flyer on in, in the back half of, of, of the first round. And I, I do think that those are the type of guys. There's a baseline you need of athleticism to exist in the NFL. That's the whole reason they have the combine. But once you get above and beyond it's really hard for those guys to become absolute flops unless they really don't love football, don't care, don't practice, whatever, right? And and, and I think those guys are actually pretty few and far between because if you're getting if you know if you're playing at a high power five type of level, you do tend to love football. Um, so I would take the athlete and figure figure the rest out later. Frankly, um, you're seeing you know, Jalen Carter is is another guy who obviously is going to be picked in the top ten, but he's a guy where it's like okay, there's some concerns there. I I don't care because I've seen the tape. I've seen the athleticism. I'm going to figure the rest out later. So um, in a draft like this, we've already talked about it like five times. It's so chaotic that you're going to have to take risks. So you might as well make it worth it. Yeah, I uh, one guy, you talk about the athletes. Riley Moss is a quarterback from Iowa, track and field guy. That's a little sleeper that I like to throw out there. So, I mean, we're on the same page, Kevin. You take the athletes, you put them in a system, you figure out the rest. That's all you can hope for. Riley Moss, a little uh, Jason Seahorn comp maybe? There you go. See, now, now you're seeing the vision right there. I also like Tajay Spears uh, out of Tulane. I think he's a guy in the second round, third round. Um, I, I know I already said one last thing. I did have to ask about Bijan Robinson because I, I have seen yeah. Bijan. Uh, he's climbing up boards. I saw our guy Joel Klatt now has him number three on his big board. Is there a world in which Robinson ends up in the top five uh, and shocks some people in this draft? No, I, I've seen some thoughts that maybe Arthur Smith in Atlanta at eight could be a possibility. But by the way... What if quarterbacks start to slip and Atlanta becomes a quarterback destination? Just saying, you mm. never know. Um, I don't. I don't think it's a top five situation. I do think it's possible it's top ten again because you're sitting there, you're looking at your draft board, and you're saying, "Is this guy a game changer?" 
The answer is, is no in a lot of cases, and you end up taking the, the running back, um, who, who is a game changer at a position that, that doesn't A, doesn't have a lot of them, and B, has been really undervalued the past couple of years. Uh, there's been a couple of, of draft gurus I've seen who say that he's he's the top-graded guy on their board. He just happens to play a position where nobody cares about the, t- the top-graded <laughs> player on your board. So um, I think he's going to go higher than maybe the analytics guys would want. And But I get that. I get the justification because at some point, you're not changing your franchise with the pick anyway. Mm, yeah, there you go. And uh, he is Kevin Clark, the Ringer's Kevin Clark. Kevin, where can we find all your amazing work? Slow News Day is back this week, right? It's back this week. Uh, Teddy is not coming on, but what we do have oh, is Travis Kelsey, Vaughn Miller, and Sauce Gardner. So that's a, a worthy replacement. Find that in the Spotify app uh, for the video or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, it's also on Twitter. We, we do cool breakouts a lot of times. Our guy, our guy Richie, and our guy Corey um, work their magic. So that's where it is. Uh, I'm at by Kevin Clark on Twitter. There you go. He is Kevin Clark. Thanks so much for coming on the show, man. And uh, happy NFL Draft Week. Great to see you, Tate Frazier. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. All right, joining us now on Through the Ringer, she is a senior staff writer at the Ringer. You have seen her cover, I mean, stuff like Formula One. She's covered uh, NHL hockey. She's covered everything uh, because she's such a great journalist and she's such a great person to have on the show. Her name is Katie Baker. Katie, thanks so much for coming on Through the Ringer. Hello, thanks for having me. Yeah, this is uh this is a time where everyone is in playoff mode, right? You know this. We we have a lot of NBA playoff coverage coverage here on the Ringer. Um, everyone is getting in their takes. Everyone is getting in their two senses. We know how this goes. We don't get much hockey talk here, Katie. And uh, the powers that be at the Ringer, they came to me. They said, "You, uh, a hockey novice, you need to talk to an expert. Get some takes on what's actually ha- happening in the NHL playoffs." So I went to you. I said, "Katie Bakes knows what's going on." So uh, first and foremost, Katie, before we get into the odds and the picks and things like that, because that's not necessarily our forte, so to speak. I just want to get like a, a grand overview of what you have seen in the NHL playoffs so far. What's a big take? A big theme? Is there something that's standing out to you in the playoffs so far? Well, I think um, going into the playoffs, this was just kind of a a new year in, in the sense of there's no Sidney Crosby, there's no Alex Ovechkin, there's none of the kind of um, some of the people that have just come to be associated with it. And instead, we've got, you know, kind of a more open field with some of these younger teams like the Edmonton Oilers who, um, you know, went far last year, but now are you know trying to get to the cup or Toronto Maple Leafs always kind of 
trying to get past the, you know, the first round. And um, so I think the fun thing has just been how close a lot of these series are even, um, you know, this over the weekend, we had multiple overtime games and some two, two series that are tied. And so it's, it's been fun in the sense it's been really close. I think one broad overview thing that's been kind of negative is just that there's in almost every series, almost across every fan base, there's just been a lot of officiating woes and concerns and, um, you know, you're always going to find that in the first round, I'm sure, but it just feels like it's kind of dominated the discourse a little bit. Um, so that's kind of disappointing, but, um, you know, there's plenty of hockey still to be played. A lot of these series are, are still, you know, two, one and that sort of thing. Yeah. I blame replay for all this. It's same things happening in the NBA, right? Everyone is, uh, you know, a genius. They know what should have been called, but again, we have the luxury of being able to watch everything in slow-mo in the comfort of our homes and then critique the officials accordingly. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a gripe across all sports. So, um, hopefully we can get past that. It's been a lot of good hockey, like you said. Um, so let, let's run through the odds right now. So the Eastern and the Eastern odds right now, we have the Boston Bruins, which are the overall favorites. Um, they're, plus 150 we got my carolina hurricanes that i'm fired up about at plus 450 we got the maple leaves like you said plus 450 the rangers plus 550 the new jersey devils plus 1300 and the tampa bay lightning at plus 1600 just looking at the eastern conference in general um it seems like a foregone conclusion a little bit katie if i'm reading between the lines that the bruins are the team that are you know obviously supposed to come out of the east Uh, is there any hope for maybe the hurricanes or the maple leaves to make a run here the hurricanes have been one of the most surprising uh, teams of this playoffs in the sense that they went into the playoffs very injured. Um, they've gotten more injured as the playoffs have gone on. <laughs> right. I think I've, I've lost count of how many of their top six boards they're missing. I think it's like up to four. Um, and yet they've just continued to plug along. Um, I kind of thought the Islanders would give them more trouble, but um, it does seem like they are doing really well in that series. Um, you know, whether they then can continue that on is kind of more of a question. So I think that's, you know, to some extent that makes the Rangers and Devils kind of interesting in the East because they may have a path through a very injured team, you know, whoever wins that series. Um, You know, looking at these odds, what kind of sticks out to me is just the Tampa Bay Lightning um, in the sense of that's a really close series. It could go so many ways. The Lightning have all kinds of veteran experience, um, multiple cup champions, and, you know, the Leafs, I think, kind of really got over the hump to an extent by winning um, over the weekend. And we'll see how tonight's game goes. But, um, you know, it's interesting just to see how far, like how big the spread is there between the Leafs and the Lightning, because I think um, either of those teams is going to have to play probably Boston. Um, so that's kind of a tough matchup. But, you know, if it, it, it's not like a surefire thing looking at these numbers that Toronto's going to get out of the first round. I mean, I think they've turned the corner at least. Yeah, and you talk about that veteran experience, right? The Lightning were going for a three-peat last year. They ended up losing to the Avalanche in the Stanley Cup final, but they were the two-time defending champs, and they were right there again, ended up losing in six games. So never count out the Lightning, even though they're, you know, obviously their odds are, are pretty out there right now. Uh, flipping to the Western Conference, we have the Avalanche, the defending champs. They're the favorites in the West at plus 200. We have the Vegas Golden Knights, plus 350. The Oilers, plus 360. The Stars at plus 750. The Wild at plus 1100. Shout out to Megan Schuster. And the LA Kings, the local team, at plus 1400. What do you see in the West, Katie Bakes? Uh, is it a foregone conclusion that the Avalanche will be back in the Stanley Cup final? Um, 
I think I, I'm I'm more convinced than I kind of was going into the playoffs. I was, you know, they've been without Gabriel Landeskog and um, but they've just Nathan McKinnon is just so good and he just is one of those guys that you want leading your team in the playoffs. He wasn't even the MVP last year, so you know he he still has something to to prove in a sense, which is a scary thought. And um, you know what's been interesting in the West is. First of all, that Oilers LA series has been really fun and, um, you know, watching the Oilers kind of come back from being down. I think they were down three, nothing at one point, all of a sudden they look like they're on the power play on every possession, you know, they're cycling in the zone <laughs> right. and just seeing them turn that on is really fun to watch. Um, you know, Dallas, it's interesting looking at the, you know, these numbers, like you can kind of see the, um, you know, the, like. I was wonder. I was thinking to myself. I wonder why they're so far behind, like the Oilers. Um, and then I remembered that they would have to play Colorado um, in the second round. So I think you're kind of looking at a little bit of a difference there. Whereas, um, you know, it's a little bit more of a free for all in the other part of the bracket there. And um, you know, the NHL uses this kind of bracket um, the way that they do the playoff seating. And sometimes I gripe about it, but it actually can be pretty fun and create these, I don't know, interesting scenarios. So, yeah, I mean the. Um, I think the I think the West is pretty open. I think we'll kind of know a lot more after some of these close, you know, two two series kind of start to shake out either way. But um, you know, Colorado obviously has that. They're just such a complete team, even without someone like Mendes Cog, that um, they're going to be hard to beat. But I also think they're definitely. Um, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. But if there's one novice thing that I know about hockey is that don't let the goalie get hot, right? Is there any goalie uh, right now that is in the playoffs that you're saying, wow, this guy could actually lead them to a Stanley Cup title, and maybe that's a reason to throw money at more of a long-shot pick and not go with someone like Boston? Yeah, I mean, like the Dallas Stars kind of jumps out in that regard. Um, Ottinger's just really, you know, kind of continued what was a good regular season performance. And, um, again, it seems like they kind of are – not getting penalized, but the fact that they're in that side of the bracket makes it a little uh, more difficult, but um, that's one that jumps out. Obviously the Rangers, you always have Shesterkin, um, who is just a, a game-changing goalie. You know, they went from one game-changing goalie in Henrik Lundqvist to the next, kind of a lucky transition there. Um, so that's just someone that night in and night out is going to um, – potentially be a huge difference maker we'll see what happens uh she is katie baker you can find her on twitter at katie bakes katie where else can we find your work obviously great stories on the ringer.com i saw you just did the ringer f1 show series that was great with sergeant um any anywhere else we can find your work and obviously go check out that podcast if you haven't already the ringer twitter um yeah it was really fun to do that um podcast i was you know my first time bringing big recording devices on the road as a, as a journalist. <laughs> right. So, um, but uh, you know, a good skill to have and yeah, just the ringer.com man. <laughs> 